Hey everybody, I'm Rob and welcome to the House of X Book Club. The House of X Book Club didn't start out being a podcast. In fact, it was really just a book club. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit. I've got with me a couple of members of our quiet council. We've got Shane and Roger, and uh, we're really here just to talk about about that, about the first episode. Hey, you guys. How's it going? going? You know, every time you call us the quiet quiet council, all I want to do is go loud noises. Oh, okay. Maybe I should change that. Uh, I don't want I don't want Marvel to come down on my head for con calling my my group of friends the quiet council. But uh, being that we are basically the three guys that are in charge of the House of X book club, we we kind of do make our own rules. <laughs> yes, indeed. This so. Um, I should tell everybody that Shane is the hands and the ears behind the editing of these recordings. Um, Roger is the heart and soul and the astronaut behind these recordings. Um, and, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the only Amish member is in and the technology <laughs> bag. <laughs> so so that, that's something we should really talk about in that um, since this podcast wasn't intended to be a podcast it was just a book club we didn't intend anybody else to listen to it although we were recording it for our own our own pleasure our own ourselves and the audio quality is kind of poor uh, a lot of times we talk about a bunch of bullshit that doesn't mean anything um anybody but, else but us uh, anybody but well, us. i just like, <clears throat> i want to point out that we're all sitting here on our computers and there's not one book to be found i mean <laughs> there it is yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Roger. Um, okay, Rob's got a couple, but still. I've got a stack right behind me. Uh, I'm, I'm in I'm in the room with all of my role-playing books. That's yeah. that's that's quite the collection I mean, there. The, you guys know yeah. what I mean. Well, I can hold up a book, but the three of us would be the only ones that would see it. Yeah. Um, exactly. At any rate, at any rate. <laughs> so Roger, just today, Roger figured out how to use his <laughs> headphone and mic set. And so no, you that's guys not just... true. This is the third time I figured out how to use it. I just can't remember how to use it. I'm a <laughs> Luddite. It's not my fault. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so that's part of the issue. It, it, you know, stick with listening because Roger will get a hang of it. And uh, hopefully, you know, yeah. And the audio quality will get better over time. So also once, once pretty, he's done, he's a pretty good whiz. <laughs> once he's done building that bond, he'll come in and fire up the thinking box. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then if that doesn't work, we'll just shoot him out the airlock. Yep. Um, <laughs> Amish in <laughs> space. That's right. <laughs> Coming this uh, summer to Netflix. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it's it's important that everybody listening knows that uh, going into it, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Not that we do now, but we have a little bit of a better idea of what we're doing. What we're doing. Slightly. So, Slightly. Yeah. But, but at any rate, I hope you guys enjoy. Episode one. Welcome, guys. I'm glad we get to do this because I have been reading um, the original X-Men. I'm currently on the very first issue that Kennedy Pride is in. So I've been reading from issue one up. And so now I've... That's like getting into the 160s, isn't it? Yeah. Or, or 130. God, I don't even remember what number it is now. But I can tell you it's right before the Dark the dark Phoenix shit. Yeah. Uh, 
right before that stuff goes down. So um, that might be one thirty then. But I have been wanting to talk about it because I mean, when we were reading X Men in the nineties, I mean, we chatted about that stuff all the time because it was so wild and so dynamic, and the artwork was so flashy. And and then now I have kind of read ahead and and read some of those. You know, I picked up like a, the Marvel Epic volumes with which is like a you know a trade with like i don't know all the notable bishop issues because i know you love bishop so much raj um and <laughs> that's uh, his favorite <laughs> i don't i don't i don't dislike bishop but that whole story with him and and gambit and everything i was i didn't like that yeah well it it i mean that kind of fizzled didn't it it would have been cool if they had actually done something interesting with so anyway i'm reading all this stuff and Rob Liefeld was a shitty artist. Did did we think he was shitty back in the day? Yeah, I definitely did. Yeah, I don't I don't know if okay. I realized how shitty he was, but I also we realized he was like cool. well as, at least Roger and I like we realized that he was like a big douche canoe right when Image launched because that was the year that we went. Remember we went to Comic Con. Yeah, and he yeah it was it was me Roger and Dave and and he was running around on the floor, wearing a bad rock mask and I was like, yeah. motherfucker, there is only one person on the planet at this point in time that could have that fucking mask, and he looks yeah. like a twelve year old kid. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. I just remember him so, hanging out hanging out in the bad rock mask over by the spawn. Um, funny car. It's like, yeah, real subtle there, pal. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Remember, well, he's still uh, a douche. Yeah. There was, uh, you remember that little independent comic store that was in Modesto, California? Yeah, that one. Um, the guy in there used to uh, talk about how he had talked to the inker or somebody that worked with Liefeld, and the inker was always complaining that Liefeld never had the right number of fingers or he'd, yeah. he'd forget to draw a foot. Well, so the inker had to make up for it. So I've discovered that, um, like, I remember when we were reading New Mutants, when Lightfield was doing it, we would notice stuff like in one panel, Richter's wearing a white beater, and in the next panel, he's got like a green bodysuit on, and it's like, how does that happen? Well, apparently the way Lightfield would do it is he would, he would just draw all the time and not necessarily do it for the story. He would just draw the characters. And then recycle them. And so he would give Marvel. I don't think that's unusual. I think a lot of artists do that to save time. Well, yeah, but they at least try to make sure they're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. Um, yeah he <laughs> would take pictures that were not even related and go, okay, here. <laughs> um, but yeah, at any rate. Uh, so Raj, did you read some some X-Men? Yeah, dude, I read, um, I read the first five, what uh-huh. we agreed on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I took notes. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Well, so let let's kind of dig into like what the first five issues are. Okay. Um, I mean, they're they're pretty basic the way they start out because this is kind of like mutant of the month club, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Every issue, you you just get like a new mutant or, uh, it, it to me especially reading through through the years it seems like it's one little threat that five powerful mutants cannot handle 
you know, <laughs> you're telling me that they can't handle a big guy. I mean, Gene Gray, put him in a bubble and leave him there. Don't let him breathe. He'll give up, you know, it, <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah, but anyway, this is, this is the time of the comics code authority. They still had to abide by certain rules and whatnot. True. Yeah, this is true. Um, and I wonder, I wonder how much the comics code impacted the way these books were written. Well, according to Stan Lee, it, it, it had no bearing on it whatsoever because he would just write the story and, and write it because he wanted people to read it and have fun and enjoy it. So he wasn't trying to write anything super dynamic. He wasn't trying to write anything complicated or anything like violent because he, that, that wasn't him. He wasn't into it. Um, he did want some zap pal, you know, rock em, sock em action, but he didn't want to scare children. He didn't want to, you know, he, he didn't want to offend anybody. Um, well, I was, you know, I was, um, I was reading issue five last night. Yeah. And I kept thinking to myself, what age group is this targeted at? Is it 14 year old boys? Is it 16 year old teenagers in general? I mean, it really, the, his, his writing seemed to be aimed at, at guys because he is a guy. And he's just kind of like recalling being a teenage guy. There's a some dialogue guy. and stuff in those books. It's a little now, of course, would be considered outdated. It's a little sexist. Well, so I've got a little insight on that, too, which makes it hilarious because that dialogue wasn't even suitable for the time he wrote it. Um, and, and in fact, like there's a scene where Iceman comes launching, you know, into action and he yells yabo and it's like what the fuck is yabo well <laughs> so it turns out the yabo is it's in the it's in the dictionary it's if you look it up on google it's somebody who has a lot of energy and who just doesn't stop they just keep going you know somebody who does a lot they're a jet setter they're they're into action and they just keep keep on keeping on uh why is he saying that he's saying that because Stan Lee knew that all these kids were using hip lingo and he wanted to say something that sounded cool. Um, you know, if he had said Yevo to a bunch of kids, they would have looked at him and shaken their heads like, what the hell are you talking about, old man? But <laughs> it, it'd be like us trying to talk, you know, to, to teenagers using, using their, uh, their slang. Modern. It sounds weird coming out of our mouth, except that slang, Stan made it up. <laughs> so i mean but, I, I did like the i mean i do have to say i did like the format and it definitely well it differed from like the long-term storytelling that is uh -huh. pretty much much more prevalent prevalent now prevalent now is that you could um you could pick up x-men number three and not have to have read one and two and yeah. you wouldn't have to worry about buying number four exactly yeah yeah. Um, so, uh, of course, issue number one, um, Magneto is taken over Cape Citadel and um, the government, well, the X-Men go to the government and say, hey, we'll help you out here. Um, I think that's really funny because the government doesn't know who the hell they are. Right. Like they, they give them a damn right. helicopter and, or an airplane and everything. They're like, yeah, sure, go for it. Um, you know, so they get there and they they fight Magneto. And they take Magneto down. Now, for me, going back and rereading issue number one, 
I'm looking at some really interesting things like Magneto, the use of Magneto's powers. Like he's got a gizmo that he calls, what was it the, uh, was it the intensifier or the power yeah, intensifier? something like that? The power intensifier, which is, which is like a coffee can that he focuses his magnetic waves through and somehow it does a thing out there. I don't know exactly how it works or what it does, but, uh, and I, I'm like, oh man, boy. I mean, in the nineties, there was a lot of crazy shit that Magneto did with his powers that we can't explain, although they explained it. I mean, it was all bogus explanation, but there was an explanation. This is just, no, it, it happens, dude. It's comics. It works, <laughs> you know? So, yeah. And there was some weird stuff too. Like when they, um, like for the first couple issues, whenever Jean used her telekinesis, they called it teleportation. teleportation. And I yeah. was like, wait, what? And I, I had to go back and read those. Cause I thought I was, I, am I, ha- I'm like, am I having a stroke? <laughs> am I having a stroke? Because <laughs> I, 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 I didn't remember that. And I was like, what, how is this teleportation? <laughs> yeah. Because they didn't really know what teleportation was. Yeah. Was well, you know, that that's one of the things I was going to mention is, uh, I mean, this book was published 60 years ago this year yeah you can still join so, in and listen. Uh, or, or I mean, even add. you're welcome to we have 60 years worth of science fiction and, and comic books to draw on whereas stan lee was breaking new ground almost with every every page you know i don't know i feel like there was a there was a there was oh. a good meaty sci-fi universe before oh. this came around and yeah but I, that was more in novels rather than pop culture as a whole so you're saying that Stan Lee wasn't a reader. <laughs> oh, I kind of get the feeling. Honest to God, I, I don't mean to slam on him. That's that's farthest thing from my mind. But yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, that must be what it is. I don't I don't recall him ever referencing things outside of the comic book world that influenced. Right. Well, he did. I mean, there was one or two books that, the you know, the Beast would mention reading, but it was like, mm-hmm. milk, you know, like the classics yeah like yeah Milton it was like something, something like that, that that you would like you would talk about in high school so one okay. of the i mean like if you start at the beginning like the the militant professor x like the what is the the fuck with that know. guy you have like <laughs> you have three seconds to get to my office yeah yeah, yeah exactly you or what uh, i'll go stand over there and you ain't gonna do shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna go this far away yeah <laughs> and we're done <laughs> X-Men to me at once. If you do not get here, you'll be punished. Like, oh, really? We're going to have Gene grease your wheels, and then we're going to watch you spin out. That's all you're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I the do demand. Like... God, the demand. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> yeah, the, it's first, just... the first two issues are like that, where he's like commanding them like a military drill instructor, and they're all like, yes, yes sir, yes, sir, coming, sir. Yeah. yeah, and there was like a weird dumb sub thing going on where they're like yeah. massaging his feet and yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, let's put a blanket on the professor. I think they were they were really brown nosing, man. They uh you know, I don't know. And he talked about giving demerits. I'm like, you're giving demerits. This is a superhero group, man. Um, yeah. you know. What are you going to do? Ground them? They can't go attack the next bad guy? Uh, I'm sorry, but you're not allowed to go fight the next bad guy because you got suspended. Um. <laughs> All right. Holy guys, we could have won this if Iceman hadn't been grounded. Yeah. <laughs> I exactly. guess Magneto wins. Yeah. 
I was um, glad I was glad a couple issues in when they started giving Iceman facial features because yeah. the oatmeal look was creeping me yeah. out. He just looked like a like a, a big cloud. Yeah, and then was... and then, you know, issue number three or so he got he was a cloud with a, a smile. Mm-hmm. And and um so did did you guys catch uh Cyclops's misnaming? Like they didn't give him a name for the first two issues. He didn't get a name till issue three. Right. They just um, called him Scott. He was no, he was Slim oh, Slim Summers. That's right, yeah, Slim Summers. Yeah. Um and I guess the idea behind that is that they that was just going to be his name. The Stan Lee thought it was kind of a cool hip, you know, uh, hip name. <laughs> well, re- um, remember that that's that's how Stan Lee named everybody: yeah. Peter Parker, Slim, Slim Summers. Summers, Bruce yeah. Banner, Bruce yeah, Banner, yeah, yeah. Yep. Reed Richards. I mean, come on, Sue Storm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Storm. Oh wait, uh, <laughs> Sue I'll Storm's brother. I'll tell you though, my favorite, my favorite part of the first issue comes early on when Professor X says that they're going to have a new member, and and all the all the guys are looking out the window like, oh, it's a girl, and Iceman's just kind of ew, and I was like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's even I don't know if it's in the first issue or a couple <laughs> issues down, but it's like when I think Warren is trying to fight for her affection, uh-huh. and uh, and I think Beast and and Cyclops are trying to get there in a hurry. Maybe it is the first issue, but but Iceman is like, well, I'm not interested. And he turns around and walks off. Yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, he knew. Also, <laughs> Iceman was like 13 or 14 in the group, and everyone else is like 18. I, Iceman, 18. Iceman was turning 16. 16, yep. Oh, was he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. You know, you know, talking about ages. So in that first issue, Professor X talks about his parents having worked on the Manhattan Project. I think mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking in my head, okay, if he was born in 1940, and he was a child while they were working on the Manhattan Project, by 1963 he's 20, 23 years old. So he's mm-hmm. maybe five years older than his students. Well, here's something even, even worse than that is. It was implied that his powers came from yeah. his parents working on the Manhattan Project, yeah. which which I think implied that he was in the womb or not born yet. Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and so he would be younger than that, actually, in 1963. <laughs> He's like 21. <laughs> yeah. But here we are. He, you know, I mean, I was going to say here we are in... in you know, 2023, and he's, you know, he's still a young guy, but he's died and been reborn many times now. So, oh, yeah. Um, but, but, you know, even, even in the 90s, he, you know, Jim Lee's, uh, was it, what issue was it? The, the one that, that they're all squirrels. Um, and it's like that gatefold cover of, of Uncanny X Men. And he's got like the big war, Shi'ar war helmet on um there's like a there's a scene in that in that issue where you know jim lee's drawing it of course and xavier is like big and buff and he's like standing on his because he he, his legs work of course i mean it turns out he was a scroll but he looks like he's probably 30 years old he's just you know all buffed and smooth and you know beating up bad well beating up good guys for that matter 
we're, we're now we're talking about all five issues kind of um, mm-hmm. what was there was there anything about issue number one that surprised you guys whether it's art art wise i mean raj mentioned this you know stanley's writing and stuff but uh art wise or maybe even their powers how they worked was there something in there that was like wow i didn't expect this i was surprised at how powerful magneto was Mm -hmm. like he was ripping off a missile stealing machine guns firing a tank and pulling the rivets out of the base to spell a surrender dorothy in the sky yeah yeah. it was and and then he like pulled the lid off of the nuclear the nuclear silo and pulled a missile out which apparently causes the rockets to go off and and, and launch it you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then he had that um, weird ziploc bag power that it looked like people could push against yes and, and a force field it was yeah, yeah it was a force field but it looked like it was kind of bendy like yeah. and how do like i don't understand how magnetism did that because comics <laughs> time travel <laughs> time travel um well if you remember cyclops even used his power beam his power beam as he called it back then to just pound the hell out of that force field and and get through right right like now, it just now that's like not that's not very powerful. I mean, this is the guy who pulled a missile out of a silo and, and spelled <laughs> spelled surrender the missile base with with you know rivets and shit. Uh, fired a tank, you know, mm-hmm. caused a bunch of guns to go off. Well, then there's um, there's a uh, in book five, I think, is when Cyclops uses his power beam to open a lock. Yeah, he picked the lock on the door. <laughs> yeah, there's He's just good. some wacky stuff. That- <laughs> Like, like three like, pages before that, he blew open like a, a a sealed metal door and tore a chunk off the wall. I'm like, yeah. and he can pick locks too. What the? Um, <laughs> well, in in issue number three, I think is that the blob issue. Yeah. Um, so issue number two, of course, issue one, he fights. They fight Magneto. Issue two, they fight the Vanisher. That is one of my very favorite X Men issues ever. I gotta say. Um, issue number three, they fight the Blob. And he uses his power beam to melt the barrel of a rifle um, that a guy's at the at the shooting range at the you know it's yes. a scam that they're trying to do and and he's like oh he catches a guy and he melts the barrel of his rifle yeah so Stan Lee didn't know what the hell this power beam was is it heat <laughs> is it is it force is it I don't know is it just pretty color. Um, <laughs> You know, so well, that's, that was if you're asking to follow up with your question, if you're asking about anything that surprised me, it was the kind of, um, I, I guess, lack of cohesiveness or maybe lack of for for planning. Because it seemed like he almost just sat down at a desk and scribbled the first book or two and then kind of like started to fill things in later on. Yeah, yeah. because Beast. East wasn't smart until the third issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was just, before that, he was just another one of the, oh, look, you Jamook. And <laughs> yeah. Yay, Bo. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The whole, that's, and the whole, like the whole Warren's, Warren's, you know, my first bondage set for his wings. How did that pin your wings down? It, it was like, there's no way that <laughs> that worked. 
Professor Xavier is really good at Shibari. Um, <laughs> Warren, and then you have Warren saying, okay, next time I tie you up. Um, <laughs> My safe so, word is banana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you know, Stanley supposedly set, here's the thing. One of the things that I wanted to, to kind of touch on, and we don't do it so much in the beginning of the books because really what's happening is, is we're getting to know the X-Men, but there mm -hmm. are a few things that pop up that, that had me scratching my head. Um, you know, I, I am interested in how the X-Men relate to the civil rights movement, how the X-Men relate to uh, what they called women's lib back in the day, right? <laughs> how, how the X-Men relate to just issues like that. Uh, first of all, I can't even remember what issue it is that the first black person in the X-Men show up. Like there's, you know, I mean, there's not a whole lot in the way of backgrounds. Right. Um, so you don't see people walking on the street. It's just color for backgrounds for the most part, or you'll see a bookcase, but it's like, it's like, but, a, it's like that outline of a building drawn on a piece of cellophane. Yeah. <laughs> But when you're at places like the military base or you're in the city, you see people standing around pointing at the X-Men talking. To, you see laborers mm -hmm. and they're all they're all like white New York guys, the white yeah. New Yorkers. Um, well, I mean, and that was because that was the audience. It was. Yeah, it was white teenage males. That was who the audience was. And that's why. So, I mean, you know, so, that well, was. Let's, let's also consider that. uh I would assume New York, even though it was a large city, was fairly segregated at the time. So unless you're looking for a black business or a black neighborhood, you may just not encounter it. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, but when you're making that your analog, it's kind of weird to 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 make the yeah. civil rights movement your analog and to not include any black people in oh, your analog was he, that really is make, weird. was he really making that direct comparison or was it just well, drawing that, yeah. that yeah. was his what that was a quote from him he said okay. that he now when he created the x-men what he and i don't know he may have actually been full of shit uh <laughs> and again i'm not i'm not slamming on on stanley but and, what he had said was that he he wanted the x-men to be about um uh, un not underprivileged, but um, underrepresented people. He wanted the civil rights movement. He wanted to, to write a book that um, the the underdog, or you know, just like like women, because he knew women had such a hard time. So he he wants Jean Grey to represent women, but you know, Jean Grey doesn't do shit for the book uh, because she's always trying to fight off the. The, the rest of the guys on the team with the exception of Iceman. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, yeah. I find that interesting. There's no black people and the, the women that he's trying to represent um, are always fighting off misogyny and, and, you know, lustful guys. And it's, it was still through their, it was still through their lens. You know, it was still through the, the guy's lens. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I did, so I, I mean, did they, they if, were doing probably better than a lot of places, and yet it was still through their lens. So, right. yeah, I did wonder. I did read, um, I did read an article where Stan said what he was trying to do was just write stories 
I was just trying to write stories. I didn't know that, I didn't think about people looking at them in any particular way. I just thought I'd write a fun story. So it may be that he was using civil rights movement as an allegory, or it may have been that that's something he brought up later. And yeah, thought, I feel know. that it's, this, I, if I was to guess, I'd say it was the second, mm -hmm. is that he's he's pretty quick at thinking on his feet and someone was like, oh, you know, so the X-Men is, it, and he's like, you're damn right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. 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 But you were noticing, Rob, that it was like a really long time. Yeah. Like, like it, it was a really long time. Um, um, before there was a black person in the, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was, it might've been, Moses Magnum. I don't think Misty Knight had showed up yet, but Moses Magnum was a bad guy. Um, at some point, Misty Knight shows up and she's Jean Grey's roommate. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have Storm and, you know, but, but yeah, it's a while before any black person shows up in the book. <laughs> so. Uh, so in issue number three, it's the blob and one thing I liked about that is, <clears throat> first of all, this is the first issue that that Cyclops gets called Scott. Yeah. Um, um, and Professor Iceman has a vague semblance of a face, and Beast Man yeah. is, our Beast is much smarter than he was the first two issues. Yeah. 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 At some point, so, we need to go back and address the the the. The, the thought process behind the Vanisher's costume. But because we just... <laughs> hey, he gets better years later. Yes, he um, does. It's just that black bodysuit and sh no hair, you know. He's and then later he gets tattooed. I mean, you know. <laughs> but yeah, the beginning, that is the goofiest damn costume I have ever seen. Um, but I, I for some reason, number two is like my favorite old X-Men issue, and I don't know why. I don't know why it's it's silly. Uh, the Vanisher is a big coward because when he finally gets caught and uh, he's like, I'll just teleport away. And Xavier's like, no, you don't. I'm going to make you forget you can do that. Which brings up what I was going to talk uh, about in issue number three. He does the same thing to Blob and the yeah. circus crew that go oh. to the mansion. Not only that, but Xavier says when the, the X-Men come home, they're like, we made it, uh, Professor, and we brought... He goes, don't worry. I know. I've been reading your mind the whole time. Uh, he, and, <laughs> and it's not even the first time he's done it. He's been doing right. it since issue number one. He reads their thoughts. Um, but one of the things that, you know, people who... Like, we have been with Professor Xavier for, like, over 30 years. So we know what he's like. Professor X is a jerk. But... <laughs> <laughs> but... But there are people, you know, kids who, who see the X-Men and see the Professor Xavier is like, oh, yeah, he's this, he's this like, you know, um, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. type for mutants. And he's such a good guy. And, and well, he invades everybody's privacy. If he's not perving out on Gene, you know, he's reading their thoughts, which is pervy enough. I mean, um, so he's he's like to me he's showing that he's kind of creepy early on you know um, that might have been coming across as like um like a hypnotist stunt or something right like a marvel of the mind 
you know, well, the way it was being portrayed. Yeah. Yeah. It, he's not, it's not supposed to look like he's doing something awful. He's basically saying, it's my power to read your mind and that's what I'm doing. And, and isn't that amazing? And, you know, right. like, cool. Let me, let me rub your feet, Professor X, which I think, <laughs> right. which I think is a hypnotism thing too. <laughs> right? right? Now, now let me click like a chicken. Yeah. Yeah. Fly around <laughs> a little while, Angel. Now come over here and take off your shirt. <laughs> let me put which this. Which he does. He does yes. all the time. Let me put this stethoscope on you. Now breathe <laughs> heavy for me, boy. It's just, yeah, all kinds no. of weirdness. Professor X, it was my turn to tie you up. Um, <laughs> so uh, issue number three also, uh, like I said, he mind, well, mind wipes the hell out of everybody, right? Yeah. Um, and and so they just forget. They forget who they are and what they've done. And um, they but, but there, is, there is a line of dialogue that follows that that says, I think Xavier or somebody says something like, let's hurry away before they remember before it wears off or something yeah so you well, kind of get the feeling you get the feeling it's not necessarily permanent mm. yeah well and blob does become a bad guy and comes back for more later so oh yeah uh you know um but there's another thing that xavier does in that issue where he he's like oh i made such a mistake i'm a fool I, you know, I never thought that you, you guys would try to recruit him, bringing, bring him back to the mansion, and then he'd turn you down. Now he knows where my secret man, my secret mutant base is, uh, yeah. you know, and of course the blob's like, yeah, I don't want to be an X-Men, but shit, I'll rob the hell out of this place. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back with his posse later, right? Um, and it's kind of interesting to see to see Xavier go, oh, I screwed up, you know. Um, if if I were Cyclops, my first comment would be two demerits. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm still tripping on that. You know, you have three seconds to get here. I'm going to spank you. What? <laughs> right. Professor X, corporal punishment. He was like way <laughs> smarter too. Like, cause he was like, he was like a super genius. He was like building, he was building the power intensifier on the fly while the blob and the circus crew were attacking. Yeah. As just like, where did that come from? Is I got to get this machine done so I can erase his mind before he beats up my X-Men. Um, everybody was in a, just like a super genius level kind of smart in the yeah. in the comics back then well i noticed some of the art uh by kirby the head his head looked bigger it looked a little more egg-shaped yeah he did he had <laughs> yeah. a he had a weird shaped head yeah like and especially, that's i think it was in the was it the first or second issue that i really there was a couple panels where i really noticed and i think that's kind of where they were tying into the whole like radioactive mutation thing you know it made his brain bigger and that's why he had his powers and abilities. Issue three was the cleverest way anyone has ever dealt with the blob. And then no one has done it that way since. You could do it every time. I mean, every time he comes around, you could oh, do it again. Shoot the sidewalk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Jimmy, they're onto me. Let's get out of here. <laughs> well, I remember there was a, a newer X-Men issue where he 
basically beat up the X-Men team, had them in a pile, and was laying on top of them. <laughs> and, it's, and of course, his power is working. Yeah. So that's where Wolverine pops one claw and jabs him with it, and he's like, ah! And he Took his up. temperature. Yeah. Yeah. He goes... <laughs> like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, that was yeah that was that was Chris Claremont and Sylvester drawing that yeah. one if I remember yeah, right. I think it was yeah, yeah. no but uh, I, I wish that I wish that Blob had stuck with the the pink shirt and the cape because that was the dopest costume <laughs> that's right that was his that was his uh, circus performer costume yeah right? yeah. yeah it was yeah. and then he went with the, with the purple Hulk underpants and it just yeah <laughs> it's like no. The pink shirt with the red cape. That was dope. He, <laughs> so anyway, also one of my favorite uh, issues of X-Men. It's it's interesting because here you have the bad guy, the blob, who's like drooling over Jean Grey, you know, mm-hmm. who's like, hey, you sweet thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll join a team if you're going to be there, <laughs> which... Which is really no no nastier than what any of the guys on the right, right, right. Professor right. Xavier did. Yeah, right. Except for Iceman. Except although, for Iceman. Except for Iceman. Although uh, he does take a turn in this one. Like maybe maybe Professor X showed him one of those scared straight videos or something. <laughs> but uh, all of a sudden he's like, Yeah, Gene, let's or you know. <laughs> maybe he's just making sure that she's he's not going like, to her bed. I do like girls. Yeah, if, yeah. I do. If I, don't I hit promise. On G- <laughs> if I don't hit on Gene, Professor Xavier's going to make me wear the bridle again. Well, keep in mind, <laughs> dude, when he's running around as Iceman, he's not exactly like you know, correct. Let's Yay, say though. anatomically all there. <laughs> Atomically all there. He's got snow. He's not exactly Yabo. He's not exactly <laughs> Yabo. <laughs> he's and lacking the Yabo. What's yeah, with that him was wearing the no clothing except for the boots. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. He, I would he totally was so, do that. He was so psyched, so, so psyched to get naked real quick. <laughs> I was like, "Way to go, Bobby! Ooh, girls, and let's get naked." First, I gotta issue. say, if I were a superhero and people couldn't see me, I'd be naked all the time. Oh hell like, yeah! You know, hell yeah! You Invisible would save a man. I'd be on like, laundry. I'd be like getting up off of chairs, and people would see my butt imprint on it. And after <laughs> I walk off, and they're like, "What?" You know, I. <laughs> I would be naked all the time. I mean, I have a hard time keeping my clothes on as it is. Um, so it's true. <laughs> Much to my neighbor's chagrin, I am the same. Yes. <laughs> so that was episode one of the House of X Book Club. And again, uh, I'm going to touch base, touch touch back to the uh, the idea that yeah, Roger was talking out of a tin can. And uh, forget the fact that Shane and, and Rob have no clothes on and are trying to be superheroes. Um, but it was a fun episode. We had we had a good time, right, guys? Yes. Well, you know, it, it was naked time. Rowan was nonplussed by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Roger sounded vaguely like the teachers from Charlie Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was it was a blast, and I think that as we Keep going with this. By the time we get to the Dark Phoenix saga, we'll have this shit down. Pat. Yeah, only 150 uh, issues or so to dial it in. Yeah, by the <laughs> time I'm bad. 80 years old, maybe we'll have it figured out. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. think of how great it'll be by the time Inferno shows up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's about when you're going to be 80, right? Yeah. No, no, no. You'll be 80 long before then. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> at any rate. Uh, so, yeah, that was that was episode number one. And uh, please, everybody, join us for episode number two. Thank you.